Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. This is a show where we talk about anything and everything, A Song of Ice and Fire by Simon. The, uh, um, and so tonight we're going to be going over Stagnites, Walder, and Varus, where the new reveals by Simon, uh, which you can go check out at uh, Simon's uh, Ice and Fire page um, under the article section. You can find it uh, under Visions in the Flames Control in 2021 and Visions in the Flames, What the Future Holds, both of which have the cards on there uh, as the reveal, so you can kind of see what the points are worth and uh, all their stats. Um, so tonight with us we have Brett and Chris, and I believe Craig will be coming on a bit later. He had a, a work meeting he had to do, uh, but he, I think he's definitely going to try to be on. And before we kick off with uh, talking about the units, I definitely want to, I'll probably say it at the end too, just in case, you know, anyone that's jumping on later uh, or misses the beginning. Uh, next week, we're going to be doing our one-year anniversary show. It's going to be pretty uh, big. We're going to actually be, uh, anyone that was listening to Carl from West Coast Bannerman's uh, uh, stream from, I want to say, last week, um, we're going to be giving away a starter box of your choice to a random caller. Uh, it could. It's not going to be the very first person. Uh, it's not going to be the very last person, so don't worry. You don't have to, like, call in at the very last second but at some point you know probably more so somewhere in the middle um i'm going to take a caller and they're going to win a starter box of their choice and that would even count uh Greyjoys or any you know not that they've been announced but dorn any starter box you want to wait for we will get you that starter box uh eventually so uh definitely uh you know, free up some time for that because it will be a live uh, giveaway um, that you'll be able to uh, potentially get. Uh, we do our show live every uh, Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, so definitely keep that in mind when you're trying to call in. Uh, there is a link to calling in, um, and a, or the link should have the phone number to calling in uh, for every page that I uh, post our link to so all those links that you see if you click on it that's probably how a lot of you listen to it uh, there should also be a number on there and that's how you would call in um, and uh, if you call in you don't have to really say anything if you don't want to um, I'll probably just bring you on and congratulate you and you can uh, jump off after that uh, but I guess we can jump right into this show. Uh, so first off, we're going to be talking about stagnites. So stagnites, I'm kind of in the minority opinion about stagnites, uh, so I'll kind of lead it off, and then uh, Chris and Brett can maybe play devil's advocate uh, with my opinion. But stagnites... Uh, they actually don't show their point cost in the article, but I believe they have been confirmed at eight points somewhere. Um, I think in the uh, On the Table podcast uh, where Chase had been able to talk to Michael and Fabio uh, about um, about the Stagnites. But 
The Stag Knights are five movement, three up to hit with seven, 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 four up armor, and five up morale. So uh, anyone that runs uh, the Stag Knights uh, or have seen them before knows that all the stats stayed the same. The only thing that changed on them was uh, uh, their abilities. So instead of uh, what they had before, they now have Stag's Fury, which is they gain the following based on the game round. Effects are cumulative. Two or, uh, game round two or better, they get critical blow. Three or better, vicious. Four or better, sundering. And five or better deals plus one hit for each of this unit's remaining ranks. And then uh, they also have an order, uh, Resilience. When an enemy is performing an attack on this unit after attack dice are rolled, the unit only suffers one wound for every two unblocked hits. So uh, I don't know if it's the same name, but it's the same ability as the giant has. Uh, So direct wounds will get through this, and it is an order, so unlike the giant, uh, they're only going to be able to weather one attack this way. Now, I want to point out that I personally feel these guys are an easy nine points. I would even go as far as say possibly 10 points for these guys. I know uh, if any people have seen my posts on some of the pages, I said easy 10 points. I was just kind of joking a bit uh, just because of how good they look. But I think people really undervalue the, the strength of the order of resilience, because if you don't have a way to attack these guys more than once a turn, uh, I mean, they basically have 24 plus wounds because you got to remember all those wounds, all those hits that they're going to be discarding since you round down essentially. Uh, I mean, that's, that's insane. Uh, 24 plus wounds is a lot and a five up morale means there's a good chance that they might only fail like one, maybe two morale tests in the entire game. Cause even with vicious, they still have a 50, 50. Um, so I, I just see these guys as insanely good, especially, um, granted this might not happen for a bit, or I guess when these guys release, it will happen a lot. Uh, they had mentioned in the on the table podcast that their attack dice value is going to go, or a lot of attack dice values are going to go down from eight to seven. They didn't say all. They didn't actually say like how many. They just implied that it's almost going to seem like I guess the new standard seven. So before these guys having seven 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 was like okay, they don't have the best, but they still have a good number of dice every rank or at every uh. Yeah, rank. Now, if seven's like the new eight, now these guys basically have the best dice value at every rank, hitting on threes with at least critical blow, because chances are you're not going to be seeing combat first round. Uh, And and if you hold these guys back just a little bit and get them into position, they're going to at least have critical blow and vicious. Um, So I just see these guys as... Easy nine points, in my opinion. But what do you think, Brett? Uh, still in the ballpark that they're that they're priced. Okay. Um, I think people might need to change their philosophy about the game. Um, ranged units are starting to become popular, which they really always should have been. But um, they're seeing some play. So 
using range units and then following that up with like your heavy cav or your hard hitters um, should help you deal with them. I'm not disputing that they're very strong. Um, now knowing that Walter isn't universally available, there's limited ways to shut their abilities down, but some ways do exist. Um, and then they're just kind of crap without abilities. So uh, I don't know. I guess the jury's still out. It's yet to be seen. I think they'll be popular and I think they'll be strong, but I'm not ready to to scream that they're overpowered yet. Uh, four plus defensive phases. You can work around it. I know that um, they'll have the hits, but you can still get around that a little bit. And they're expensive, and Baratheons are already kind of low activation as it is. So they're fighting with, uh, you know, Bastard Girls with Red Priestess on the Thanos side. They're fighting with Rose Knights on the Renly side. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I guess I just, I see a lot of potential for these guys, you know, throwing a Red Priestess in there, putting them at the nine points that I already think they can, should kind of be. You know, if turn four, when, like, most, I think, of the action is really starting to happen, you know, most things are all in combat by that point, you know, having critical blow, vicious thundering, taking morale test to five up, and then throwing a panic vulnerable on a enemy uh, is going to be pretty nuts. And then the fact well, that... Red Priestess was changed. She does panic or vulnerable with attacks now. Has that been confirmed? Because I, I believe the... Um, Things the War Council still says uh, both. Yeah, War Council's changed to be either or, one or the other, and War Council oh, okay. being the official game app. So yeah, it's it's. I mean, yes, it's confirmed. Um, okay. Some people won't like my answer, but yeah, <laughs> it has changed. <laughs> Take it for what it is, but yes, that's that's the that's the way it's supposed to be played. Okay. Well, and that's what I was going based off the War Council app, too. Uh, they must have changed it from the last time that I checked it out. Because I know that the new attachment box says or, but then if you buy it with the faithful, it says and. And then I was I was using the app as, like, the deciding factor. And uh, last time I checked, it was and. But, yeah, you're right. I just checked now, and it's or. Um, yeah. My so yeah. understanding of the situation is that the version printed with the Relore Faithful was an error. So that is my understanding of the situation. And then the app followed in that error, but they were never supposed to be both. So everybody who intuitively said this attachment is way too good for one point, they were right because it was never supposed to get both. Gotcha. Uh, what about you, Chris? How do you kind of feel about these guys? kind of in your boat. I think they're good. But at the same time, like we were saying, they are kind of expensive and you're going to be competing with some other stuff, but I think they're going to be popular to start off with. And once people kind of figure them out, they might start tapering off a little bit, but in their early goings, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of those guys. Yeah, I, I think they'll be similar yeah. to Rose Knights. It's, it's a good point that you bring up. Um, we had this problem with Rose Knights when they first came out, and now, now Rose Knights are just Rose Knights. People figured out how to deal with them. So, 
For me, Rose Knights were never too crazy, and that's just because of their movement. Uh, the Stag Knights having a five, and now uh, arguably being much more defensive than the Rose Knights are. Granted, the Rose Knights can heal but um, and have one better save, but just the order resilience. I guess it comes from playing against so many Giants and never being able to kill them with only, at the time, five wounds. These guys having more than double that, and even with their the Giants having six now, uh, these guys have double what a Giant has. I mean, as far as how much uh, you have to put into killing them is worth the amount you would have to try to kill two Giants. And, uh, you know, they only have one worse morale than a Giant does. Granted, the Giant can only take two wounds from that morale, but, uh, but yeah, I just... I hope I'm wrong, I, and I'm my second favorite uh, faction to play is Baratheons. But seeing these guys at eight points, I almost ask myself, why would I ever take Rose Knights or Faithful ever again? Because these guys, in my opinion, are leaps and bounds above both of those units. Now, all the other units are cheap, cheaper enough. The Rose Knights and Faithful only being a one-point difference. Uh, you know, I would easily take uh, these guys over them, no matter which loyalty I ever took, just because of the cons- the consistency, the survivability, their speed, you know, is average, but average is still good when you're comparing it to the Wardens and the Rose Knights. You know, you'd, you uh, the Baratheons definitely uh, five is a really nice stat for them. Um yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, like I said, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, and I definitely want to get some more play testing in with them. I think, yes, there's definitely ways to really hurt them. But in like a Renly, like even like uh, Charismatic Air and all his healing, I think these guys are going to be so hard to deal with, it's going to be frustrating. Because um, then, you know, Charismatic Air with all his healing card. I guess almost any Renly uh, uh, commander, like even Penrose or uh, Loris, uh, I think all of their healing is just going to make these guys frustrating, especially if you like take Tycho or whatnot. But we'll see. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to add to it, uh, Brett? No, I think you make a – your argument's compelling. Um I can't say that I fully disagree. They will be really, really tough. I just want to see. I want to see what happens with them. Yeah. Yep. And I don't know. I could definitely be wrong, and I hope I am. And I think uh, uh, only time will tell. Testing it and playing it out. And as I always say on here. I think if I end up being right and they end up being so ridiculously strong that it's just unfun, uh, you know, I know Simon will do the right thing and, you know, they'll, they'll change, you know, change what they need to change if they feel like it needs changing. Um, and when I say by the right thing, I don't mean like by my opinion, the right thing. I mean, they'll think it through and they'll, they'll give it time and they'll do what they believe is best for the game uh, to make it fair and balanced and, you know, so that we all can have a, you know, amazing game. 
So uh, they, for the most part, you know, always come through with uh, changes that uh, are fair. The only one I can think off the top of my head that I'm not a big fan of is the Flademan, but they're not completely useless. They're just, I don't know, maybe it's one of those things with Flademan that they were so good for so long in every rendition they had that now they just, it's that feeling of an amazing unit going to like just an okay unit that makes you feel like they've gone further to a crappy unit, I guess, if that makes sense. All right. So that's uh stag Knights. So all you Brassian players, uh, you know, let us know what you think, uh, you know, about these guys, if you think that they're probably going to be too strong or if they're just right, uh, let us know if you've had any time to do some games with them. Uh, and I'll definitely be testing them out as much as I can to see if uh, uh, personally that they're end up being too strong or just right. Uh, next up, we have Varys and Walder. Uh, first, I want to talk about... Uh, um, Varus. Let's see. Find their cards real quick. So, Varus. Uh, uh, for those that uh, haven't really caught, uh, kept up with the game a lot, or haven't got, uh, gotten a chance to play a lot of games, I'm going to mention his current card just for reference. Um, so, both versions are four points. His current version, uh, four order tokens. When an NCU claims a zone, so it's not when they activate. Uh, on the tactics board, you may expend one order token on Varus to roll a die. On a three-up, choose one. Uh, that NCU loses all abilities until the end of the round or cancel the effect of the claim zone. Uh, this, never mind. Sorry, guys. They uh, On the original, they put his original original, like his, his very first form. <laughs> uh so I believe he is when you when an NCU activates. Now let me pull it up on the app. Um, yeah, that's weird. I did not notice that they put the original on there. So let's see. Varus currently is starts with four order tokens. When an enemy NCU activates, you may expend one order token on Varus and roll a die. On a three up, choose one. NCU uses all abilities until the end of the round or cancel the effects of any zone that NCU claims this activation. So um, he was uh, he was probably right where he needed to be, four points. Um, he was seen a good amount. He wasn't like auto-include. The only problem he really had was the, the randomness of his ability, the three-up, you know, and the fact that uh, he, him having to choose when the NCU claimed, or sorry, uh, activated rather than claimed, made him very iffy. Uh, it turned him from being an auto counter to like things like uh, Peter, uh, to Peter almost being like an auto counter to him because you could say I'm activating Peter, and then you'd be like, okay, do I really shut off the board? Because I don't know what he's going to take. You know, and then if you you if you do use it on him, he just takes whatever spot he wants to you know control the zone for. So, uh, or even like Mel, um, uh, he's not really good against her. So there's a lot of things where uh, he was kind of iffy, but he was still seen enough. But it was just that three up. You know, 
I can't tell you how many games where I've had three of the four fail, and it's just like, why am I taking this guy? Then again, I've had games where all four go through, and my opponent's just like, you know, frustrated that he can't get like key spots off like the attack zone. Because me personally, I'll save it for every round where my opponent goes first and cancel either the heal or the combat, depending on what they felt was uh, more important that round. So, uh, but he has gone to um, four order tokens. uh, So the same amount of tokens when an enemy NCU claims a zone after resolving that zone's effect, you may remove one order token from Varus. If you do gain the following based on that zone, if they claimed the crown, one enemy suffers one panic test. uh, So no modifiers, unless it's like a course pile or tree on the field. Uh, if they control, if they claim the wealth, you get to restore two wounds to one friendly unit. If they claim the combat zone, one enemy suffers three hits. If they claim the mail, they can draw one tactics card. If they claim the maneuver zone, one friendly unit shifts three inches. So, I think this is really uh, a good change. The fact that his randomness goes away, his complete to pivotal moments goes away, which I think is very important to, you know, taking away frustration from your opponent. Um, Because being able to counter your opponent's stuff is awesome, but Varus did it in such a way that, uh, you know, it it would be very frustrating because, you know, a free attack is a big deal. But his ability to now um, automatically trigger his effects and to really uh, um, make your opponent think twice about what uh, what they might want to claim is a big deal. And if you noticed, all of the effects are basically just small versions of what the effect would normally do. So uh, the wealth would normally heal three and remove a condition token, whereas he's healing two. The male is letting you draw two cards and place a token. He's going to draw one tactics card and so on. So... Uh, which is really nice. Uh, I think I've played uh, with and against Ferris quite a bit. And I would say um, since he's been revealed and uh, what should I call it? Factions that draw a lot tend to not really care for Ferris uh, from my experience, just because you're already drawing so many cards that it makes the mail not as worth it. And it limits his uh, some of his um, uh, abilities that you're going to want to use his orders on. So, but where I've found that he really shines uh, because of just drawing that tactics card is factions that don't really have a draw mechanic like Starks. Uh, Starks don't have any way to really draw their cards outside of taking the mail. Uh, so taking him so that you don't have to focus on taking the mail. Uh, You can just focus on, you know, the maneuver zone, the combat zone for your card effects, and then maybe occasionally the wealth to block or whatnot. Uh, That way, every time they're taking the mail on you, you can use an order token and now start drawing some, you know, pivotal uh, start cards, which I think is super important uh, for them, you know, because they don't really want the, unless they need a block, they don't really want the envelope. Uh, what about you, Brett? Have you had a chance to try out Varus at all or against him? Yeah, I've, I've practiced some, some TTS games. Um, 
Yeah, I think he's really good. Uh, I thought that as soon as he was revealed, it was basically um, confirmed in a little bit of play testing, a little bit of casual gaming. But uh, no, you you got a very good point, and I can't argue with it at all. Um, with Starks, you claim the letter because you need cards. Uh, Starks need cards really to that's that's what their that's what their strength is is their cards. Uh, their units really actually on paper aren't super great. They're made what they are by their cards. So I really like the point that um, you don't have to claim the letter. You can focus on the other zones. Um, and really, the occasional time that Starks want to heal, not that they want to die, but from what I see, you know, Starks are focused on the maneuver zone and the combat zone for the most part. Uh, you can use your opponent yourself, but more importantly, yeah, you can just let the opponent take the uh, letter. If you're running Catlin, who's a strong choice anyway, you don't care that much about the condition token, and then you get a card. So uh, the other merit that I see to him is, uh, yeah, he's the new solo hunter. So Walter Frey found his way into a lot of my lists, when I wanted to play competitively, that was largely so that I could counter Stark Direwolf. Um, Barris allows you to attack, basically, Stark Direwolf by letting the Starks do what the Starks want to do, which is claim combat zone. Um, additionally, ranged units um, tend to have pretty low defense. They're hard to get to, uh, but between bombarding them with the crown because of their typically lower morale and bombarding them with free hits when they claim the sword, you can kill a unit of archers without ever actually having to engage them. If you can't kill them, at least you can knock them down to where they lose enough attack dice that they're not really a huge threat anymore. So both of which, really strong, really good. Um, I like him. I think he's great. I think he's great keeping both players engaged keeping both players on their toes, making them think really, really hard. Um, it seems to be a direction that uh, Demon is kind of, they've done it before. We've seen these elements. Um, playing against Tyrion is always a chess match. Does he have the card? Does he not have the card? Do I dare to watch her on the wall and get the lay ordered? You know, we've had these elements, but it seems like Demon's kind of cranking those up with some of the reveals that they've given us where, every single choice is difficult. Uh, Nothing is super easy. Nothing is super obvious. uh, And there are elements in the game that while they don't tell you no, per se, you have the choice to do it, but you could face a pretty severe consequence if you take it. I see Varus being super valuable late game when things are just holding on by one or two guys. And it's like, man, I really need to claim the swords to make this play. Uh, like even dragons, for example, I just played a game with dragons tonight, and uh, I mean I won, but my two dragons were knocking on death's door, and one of them was dead. Uh, if he had new Varus, I really need the melee zone to finish this unit off. But I'm going to take three hits. I might lose my dragon. So what do I do? Take the swords, lose my dragon, leave the swords open, lose my dragon. Could be a really tough situation in a really tough spot, and maybe you just end up healing. Uh, instead, uh, instead of claiming the combat, because you can't afford to take the hit. 
Yeah, and I think uh, I think Starks jump out uh, the best when it comes to him, just because. Let's say you take the combat zone, uh, or sorry, uh, or I was going to say he combos really, really well with Peter now, um, because if you take like Peter and Varys in a Stark list, and it, uh, you can take the crown with Peter to cover it up, to then take like the free combat zone. Uh, and now your opponent is going to want to take the free attack. You're going to now get three free hits. You can then take like the free maneuver to force them to take uh, either the letter or the wealth, which you're now going to get to also draw or heal to. Um, it, it allows for a lot of, uh, you know, awesome you know, to be able to manipulate your opponent into taking certain spots because now you're not as worried about not getting those spots. Um, you're more so worried about either blocking uh, or taking what zones you need to take. And Peter was perfect for blocking uh, spots, and then Ver- uh, having Varus is perfect for, you know, taking whatever spot you want and then getting benefits when your opponent takes other ones. So it's... It's and, really interesting that you say that, actually, because my new, my new little pet project, my my new little fun unit—that's my go-to unit for a fun game. Which, yes, Brett plays fun casual games. Uh, it's been neutral. <laughs> I've been having a lot of fun playing neutrals and tinkering around with them. It's just funny that you mentioned that because that was my thought process when I built my neutral list. You're uh, breaking up pretty bad. Oh no. Hey, you're like underwater or something. Alright, I'll give uh I muted you, Brett. Uh give me a second to uh fix your uh phone. Um yeah, I think uh the potential of Varus is so great uh in most factions. I like I was saying, I think the only factions that really don't care for him and still could use him uh to some effect, uh but the ones I think that just find the least use out of him would be the ones that are drawing a lot of cards. So Night's Watch or like a Renly faction. Um so and that's where I've played a handful of my games is either as or against uh, Renly or Night's Watch. So, um, and it just seemed like we weren't really using his tokens because a lot of the times, just the way the things fell, it was like, I don't really want to make someone take a base panic test. Uh, I don't really need a three-inch shift. Um, you know, and... It's like I don't want to draw some more because I already have like half my deck. So you're constantly just waiting to heal two or maybe do some hits uh, every round. Um, so I would say uh, he's perfect for Starks and uh, uh, let's see, maybe Lannisters even. Um, drawing extra taxes cards for like a Tyrion list could be amazing because um, that was kind of the thing with Tyrion as your commander. If you ran him as your commander, you couldn't take his NCU, which is also amazing NCU to give you a better, uh, you know, cart a hand size of four. Uh, 
now you can take him or Varys with uh, the commander Tyrion and start. You already want the mail, um, but on the turns where they're trying to block you, you're still drawing those cards and you're still getting through your tactics deck. Here, uh, Brett, I'm uh, bringing you back on. Are you, uh, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, if you want to finish your thought, um, sounds like you're good now. Oh, did I cut out? Yeah, you were really bad. It was uh, it was like you're underwater, so I muted you, uh, and that's why I kind of went on to talk to wait until maybe it it uh, blew over. Whoops! What was the last thing I was saying? Um, I can't remember, <laughs> but it was like three uh, minutes you... ago. Was it the bit about Peter Baelish and Varys in a neutrals list? I think so. Uh, you were talking about your dragons at first, and then, uh, um, and then you're going on to like another point. I think. Yeah. Uh, wow, that totally got cut off. No, I was saying it was really interesting that you pointed out that uh, Peter and Varys go really well together, because that's exactly what I've been doing in my little fun casual games that I've been playing. Uh, I've been tinkering around with neutrals, been having a lot of fun with them, actually. I really, really like the neutrals. Um, but that's what I've been doing. Uh, tinkering around with the new Varys is, is mixing him with uh, Peter Baelish because uh, I've been running double Bastards Girls with uh, Storm Crow Lieutenant. And, you know, you go Peter onto the bag, take the free attack. And when you have Varys backing Peter up, your opponent has to really consider... You know, they don't want to take another attack from the Bastards girls who are now supercharged, but they also don't want to take the hits. So they're generally going to take the hits rather than eat another charging volley or another engaged Bastards girl attack. So they end up getting potentially 12 dice from the Bastards girls with Thundering, followed by three hits, and then it leaves you able to take the uh, mail and have the, the zones that you need for all of your neutral cards. So... I was just totally agreeing that Peter and Wal- Peter and Varys is a really nice combo. Yeah, and I'm surprised I don't see Peter more in more lists. Uh, his potential is amazing. Uh, I can't tell you how much pressure it can put on someone when you cover up a spot they need, and then let's say they need the wealth. You know, let's see they like our Night's Watch, and they have like two shields on two units and you cover up the wealth and then you take the uh, you don't even take the combat or something because it's not important you you uh, take uh, the the mail like you cover up the, the wealth and you take the mail to draw two and place a token now it really puts pressure on them it's like well I really want that free combat because well it's the free combat in most cases it's it's the obvious choice but do I really let them take another male again. Uh, you know, between Varys and Peter, you can really put a lot of pressure with just two NC list on your opponent to make certain decisions on the board. What do you think, uh, Chris? Uh, I know you've been playing Targaryens, so uh, unlike your free folk, you can actually run these guys. Uh, and then Targaryens are also kind of in that boat where they have some pretty nice NCUs, but they are in some ways lacking in some like um, abilities with their NCUs. So how did these guys uh, 
kind of jump into the picture for you. Well, I've never really big a, been a big fan of Varus, especially when he's against me. I did like <laughs> the randomness, especially when I was a free folk, because, you know, it did work half the time. This thing, <laughs> I think this is really going to screw me over here. But I really don't think it's a deterrent enough for, like, I mean, not to take, like, the swords all the time. I mean, my free folk will just take the hits and probably die, but keep on trucking. What about, like, running Varus uh, in, like, a Targaryen list, like, as one of your NCs? Maybe, because I'm a very thematic list builder. I mean, let's go spoiler alert here, just in case. But, like, near the end there, how he kind of allied with the many who. So maybe I'll throw him in there if we're going that route. But still, I like that thematic stuff, so... Maybe I'll test them. We'll give it that. I'll tr- I'll try. Well, especially when uh, if Targaryens ever get a Tyrion version uh, of some sort, whether it be NCU or Commander, I'm sure probably more so be an NCU. But uh, that'd, be cool. that'd be pretty cool to run like Barris and and uh, Tyrion with like a Daenerys uh, list or something. But uh, I but yeah, approve so I that. Think, uh, I think we can uh, jump over to Walder Frey, uh, the last uh, unit that we're going to be talking about. So before, uh, he was five points, and he has now reduced to four points. So that's important to note because a lot of people looked at his abilities, and they were not impressed, uh, and they just didn't see how he would ever be useful. Uh, Not everyone thought that, but uh, a handful of people did. But I wonder how many of those people did not notice his point drop because I would definitely agree that he is nowhere near worth five points at what he does now uh, because he has a strong ability with a big downside, so they kind of offset, which makes him right about a four-point NCU. Uh, but at five points, yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't see, see him ever being taken, but he is four points. Um, his ability was that he, uh, when he would claim attack to zone, he would attach to a combat unit uh, until the end of the round. Uh, when he's influencing that unit, they suffer one wound. And if you are the first player or control the crown zone, the influence unit and its attachments lose all abilities. So Walder Frey, what he was before, even at five points uh, in the competitive scene, he was almost a must-take in one list at least because you had such a high chance of seeing Starks uh, as an opponent. And he is like the, you know... He's like a five-point uh, insurance uh, to be able to deal with, you know, wolves running all over the place, especially if you're able to roll and get, um, what is it, uh, second turn, um, then you could potentially snipe, you know, three wolves in the six turns of the game as long as you go six turns, uh, and they have no way to heal, uh, and you time it right. So, he was he was like a must, and his ability to just shut off your opponent's abilities was also key to uh, elite lists. So he was just like a must in, in a two-list format. He was a must in at least one of your two lists. Uh, so, And the other thing that Walder, I'm sure, unintentionally did was Free Folk players would 
never really run Giants, or they'd only run it in a two-list format. They'd only run one list with Giants and the other list none purposely because of Walder. Um, also, uh, unintentionally, Walder... Um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, there's something else that he would uh, do that it was just kind of bad for the game, in my opinion, was... Uh, uh, what was it? Um, oh, uh he would also force um, players to uh, have to uh, free folk players to have to run uh, egret in at least one or both lists. Uh, now that I've seen this reveal, uh, I've been making granted. Uh, uh, now that I've seen his new uh, abilities, granted they're not uh, official yet. Um, I've been making a lot of free folk lists with giants and without egret. Uh, simply because of this one change. Uh, I think it's really opened up uh, the creativity for the Free Folk faction. Um, so what, to get what, to what he's changed to is um, you may only activate Walder if you have no other units that can activate this round. When Walder claims a zone, you may replace that zone's effect with the effect any zone. If Walder claims the crown, you may replace the zone's effect with... One enemy becomes weakened, one friendly unit restores two wounds, and at the start of the next round, you become the first player. Let's see, you may replace. So I'm guessing, Brett, correct me if I'm wrong, you get all of it, right? It doesn't say or anywhere, or give like bullet points. Yeah, you get all of it. You get okay. all of it. Um, so off the bat, um, I thought he was good and much better. Uh, he's way better than what he was before for the game. And I think overall, he just kind of was better than what he was before. Um, just uh, for the, for the, for the, the game in, in itself, I would have personally liked to kind of see his ability just kind of be something different. Um, and after playing with him a bunch, uh, about the same number of times as uh, Varys, We've run into that you have to run them in a two NCU list because three NCUs, you just you run the risk of your opponent having three and then he becomes a worthless four-point NCU. Uh, but then you also run into the problem that if you're running only two with him being one of them uh, and your opponent has three, he really uh, he gives your opponent too much control over you. Uh, and by that I mean, let's say you go first and you go, okay, uh, whatever NCU onto the combat zone, attack you for free. Now your opponent has three NCUs that they have no pressure and can take any other three spots on the board at any time, as long as they make sure that they take them before Walder's going to go, which if it's still early in the game and you have like five combat units, you know, they have, you know, a lot of leeway. Like you give your opponent so much freedom on the board. It's pretty crazy. Now, Granted, if you do that and you take the free attack, and then finally when Walder gets to go, you can take a free attack again, uh, you know, that's pretty powerful. But I personally just feel like his uh, his ability is just the opposite of, for example, uh, Peter and Varys in the sense that uh, they are really forcing your opponent to... Uh, have to play a certain way on the tactics board 
whereas Walder is just giving your opponent so much freedom. Now, before playing the game, I was in the other boat. I just thought he was awesome for four points, and you know, but now I've kind of changed my opinion the more I've played with him. Uh, I feel like I'm at a huge disadvantage to my opponent on the tactics board when uh, when I'm using him. Uh, that and one thing I want to point out that uh, I learned recently, and it's obvious, like it, it was one of those you know duh moments. Like I should have realized it, but it just didn't pop into my you know it didn't uh, come clear until um, when one of the other guild members pointed it out. Is that uh, first player alternates, so his ability to take the crown and become the first player next turn. Me, so, for example, let's say you go first first turn with Walder, and then you the crown is still available, which unfortunately your opponent can easily always cover that up if they want to because you're going to have to activate last. But let's say they left it free, uh, and you take it to become first player on round two. That doesn't mean you also then are first player on round three because normally it would be one, three, f- uh, five, and then the other person would get two, four, six. Uh, if you become first player on round two because of that effect, it now flips everything. And now you're going to be two, four, six, and they're going to get three, five uh, because you're passing the first player token. Um, it's not that each round is set, uh, if that makes sense for everyone listening. So anyways, with that said, uh, I just feel like Walder um, is, it just gives your opponent too much uh, power over you. Now, it doesn't mean that he's worthless or he can't be taken in certain builds. I think uh, uh, like certain builds that only want two NCUs uh, isn't a horrible thing um, because now if you're running only two NCUs, let's say like uh, in a Stark list, you run like Walder and Sansa for seven points and you really free up a lot of points for your combat units. you can really, you know, you can use Sansa who doesn't have an effect so you don't have to, or doesn't have like an immediate effect that you have to worry about and you can kind of just place her on the board where you need her, let's say the combat zone, uh, if you're first. And then it's like, all right, now I'm not pressured to make my next action be an NCU because he has to be last, you know. Uh, And now you can really just focus on the board and start, you know, uh, making key movements there and not have to, you know, cause it kind of takes away that decision from you. Uh, it doesn't like give you that temptation of, man, I really should take this spot on the tax board right now. Uh, instead of attacking with these guys, cause I don't want my opponent to have this. So it kind of takes with that. So it's a double-edged sword taking away that decision does hurt you. But then again, it does kind of, you know, in some cases it's going to help you to make the better decision. Mm, it's good points, but I still think he has value. Um, I think we might be missing a little piece of the equation, too. Um, he's clearly designed for a 2NTU build, so I'm wondering if something is coming down the pipeline that um, maybe discourages 3NTUs to some extent. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but with that said, I see I see validity for him in uh, Dragon build. Um the last thing you want is a dragon getting a, a couple dragons getting some very early easy kills, tilting the activation advantage, and now they can just freely wait until the end of the round, post up behind you, 
uh, claim a zone, take the swords, free attack you. Um, it would be a nightmare. Uh, high activation sharks <laughs> could do something similar with berserkers. They could do something similar with great axes. Um, to a lesser extent, sworn swords. Um, not so much tolly cav. Outriders aren't terrible. You could, uh, you know, get a flank flank attack and then attack from the flank a second time. But at any rate, there's there's going to be some validity to him in lists. It's going to depend on what list you're running. Oh, the other thing I mentioned in another chat, uh, Corrin. Run Corrin as your third NCU with Walder and whoever else your NCU of choice is for Night's Watch. Sacrifice Corrin early, then you're down to two NCUs, but you've gained something substantial from it. Uh, assuming that you get a kill out of Corrin's sacrifice, and then now you've got Walder, and you're not paying the penalty for, you know, only having three NCUs because you got your four points out of Corrin. So there are times where I think Walder is going to be great. Walder is not going to be good as a third NCU in a meta where nearly every single opponent is going to have three. So the only way you're going to get value out of him there is to activate pass with an NCU. So you'd have to run an NCU like Tycho or Varus that doesn't really care about being on the board. Yeah, and I think at that point it it's possible, like you were saying, to run three and then pass and uh, to leave a spot open. But at that point, it's almost like you're paying extra points for for Walder to be effective. And at that point, he becomes una- you know not really effective uh, at more than four points. But I agree Tyrion with your other points. Tyrion. Tyrion? On priority turns, you'll... I said Tyrion might love him. On priority turns, you're getting four cards. Not a whole lot they can do about it. I'm confused. What do you mean? Take your first NCU, put it on the letters, draw two cards. At the end of the round, Walder draws two more cards. It'd be pretty easy to burn through the Tyrion deck that way. And oh, you mean you're guaranteed to get your two adaptive tactics back. Huh? You mean as a two NCU list? Oh, I, yeah, I, or I was referring the, to like three, three NCU, NCU list. If you if you want to activate delay with an NCU, like who doesn't need the board? Um, just yeah. getting through your death super duper fast with Tyrion might be worth it. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it, being able to loop uh, those uh, adaptive uh, adaptive tactics, right? That's what it's called. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Tactics. Yeah, being able to loop mind, those. Uh, uh, Neutrals have two briberies that can keep an NCU off the board. Yep. <clears throat> so that definitely could be it, too. Um, if you can rely on bribery, uh, you can run, th- like, three NCUs, like Roos, Walder, and someone else. Uh, let's say, like, Varus, because Varus's effects don't have to... He doesn't have to claim the board to use his tokens. Then maybe, yeah, you can, like... Uh, Bruce onto bribery or Walder onto bribery uh, or on the uh, money to bribery so that they can't put an NCU on the board. Now you've guaranteed your spots and then with their abilities to get their cards back, you can use bribery up to six times technically. Uh, So I think that's definitely one good uh, strategy there. The only problem is having to on drawing one uh, early you know, at least round two or something. 
Yeah, you really need the card. Fortunately, neutrals have two cards that get you cards back from the dead, so you could well, cycle Varys through your would also help with that. Varus will help yep. with that because if they take the mail before you can, you can still draw a card to help get that uh, bribery. And you don't have to bribery, like, as long as they don't take the money from you, you don't have to bribery instantly. You just have to bribery while they still have one NCU left um, to stop them from going to the board. And that's only if they yep. have a uh, a three NCU list, because uh, you could get lucky. Because Varus, Varus uh, in that sense, is really um, a toss-up in the sense that if you do run him in a three NCU list and they only have two, uh, it can go the other way, like having that free attack is insane when you have three NCUs and they can all go on the board. Yep. Um, what do you think, Chris? Uh, I know Walder isn't really thematic for Targaryens, but a free attack is kind of thematic, if you ask me. So, believe it or not, I actually did use this cat in one of the games when I was doing testing the Mother of Dragons, and he actually worked out fairly well. And yeah, well, I don't think dragons need any help. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I think they could use a little, <laughs> couple extra buffs, but that's just me. But nonetheless, yeah, this you know. guy really just speaks to my philosophy of. I don't pay attention to the board or cards, so I don't really worry about the stack too much. <laughs> just stack up on my combat units. And for yeah, those listening, just I make don't him your only pay attention to what I do. <laughs> right, because, you know, then he can just go whenever he wants. Yeah. Well, he would have See? to go last, but he can, you know, get well, any effect know. he wants. He'd be like, I don't care that you go first and claim all the spots you want. I still get that free attack. Four <laughs> attacks. <laughs> now you're talking. I like that. Yeah, but listeners don't do what I do. I just do things. As the jerky once <laughs> said, I just do things. <laughs> so, uh, that kind of is everything uh, that I think we're going to talk about. But yeah, overall, uh, I want to say that I think for both the NCUs, amazing changes. Uh, even for the Stagnites, I would say an amazing change. My only, I guess, uh, dispute with it um, is the points. I think nine points uh, would be probably perfect. Um, only way to tell if eight, nine, or ten, you know, is to just play test the heck out of them. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong. Eight might be their, you know, sweet spot. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, probably not ten. I'm thinking just gut feeling nine is probably where I would put them. Uh, but I will definitely maybe, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks when I've had a chance to really test them out, uh, you know, show my results and kind of see what everyone else's opinion on it is. But overall I'm loving uh, some of these changes. Uh, next show is our anniversary show. So definitely check that one out. We, uh, so, and then the show after that, as long as nothing else crazy comes out, which I'm sure it will, uh, I think we're trying to squeak in the Greyjoy uh, reveals in soon. Uh, it's just 
they're releasing content like faster than we can kind of get the shows out for you guys. Since we, even though we do them once a week, they're, uh, they're giving us, uh, you know, so much content that, you know, we can't really cover it all as fast as we would like to, but, um, definitely check out, uh, a song advice and fire guild.com because a lot of the other content creators, uh, you know, they're covering a lot of the stuff too. So between all the creators on the guild, you're going to be able to find all the new content being talked about uh, as, you know, as quick as you need it. Um, but just for those that like to listen to us, we will definitely be covering it all. Just because uh, content create, another content creator has covered it does not mean that we won't. Uh, we definitely like to touch uh, on all the bases of all the new, you know, things happening with the game. Um, what about you, Brett? Uh, anything you wanted to talk about, like, as, like, an overview of the entire show between the three uh, units we talked about. Uh, no, no, nothing, nothing to add there. But I was going to shout out the uh, the um, World Cup. Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the World Cup. Uh, Americas are divided into two regions. You've got the Eastern region, and then there's the Central Northern region. Um, try to stick to your time zone. Uh, if at all possible, when you sign up. So I guess, Dave, that means you would be in the Central West region. Uh, so we would once again not play in a tournament. <laughs> yeah. um, it's pretty exciting. Um, so it's basically like a, uh, a, a regional qualifiers, and then the top players from that will compete in the world championship event. Uh, it's a really cool concept. It's really exciting. Um I linked it on the main A Song of Ice and Fire page, but we can put it on small council as well where you go to sign up. Uh, you should be using A Song of Ice and Fire stats anyway. Um, well, I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but A Song of Ice and Fire stats is incredibly useful. So it helps us stay in touch with what's performing really well, what's really powerful, and then a lot of the data that we give on this show is pulled from that site. So I can't thank Carlo enough for coming up with the idea to do that and then doing everything for it. Um, Additionally, A Song of Ice and Fire stats is perfect for a TO. You literally just, you can manually do your round one pairings if you want to, but after that, you just have everybody submit the results, and then you click Swiss pairing, and then it sends everybody the pairings. It's so super easy to be a TO. You can focus on rules judging. You can go sneak into matches and watch some of the matches as they're going on. Uh, I was a TO for the ELO event. It was super, super easy, super laid back. And then I was able to have fun watching some of the different builds and different players play. So um, A Song of Ice and Fire stats is great. It's built for the community to help everybody. And it's designed to help the developers see, you know, what's going on in the community, what's being taken all the time, what's winning all the time, what's winning tournaments, what's powerful. And I'm not saying that the developers look at it and make any judgment off of that, but it can't hurt to have that data to present to them and it's available for them to look at as well. So uh, there's the option to submit the games unranked. So if you want to play a goofy game and, you know, like you want to try out a list that you don't think is really good, but you want to run it anyway and you don't want your score to drop, just submit it as an unranked game. It still helps with those results and it still helps getting traffic through the page. So definitely if you haven't done it already, sign up for a Song of Ice Fire staff. It takes literally to submit your game results uh, and it's really, really helpful for everybody involved. But back to the um, World Cup, definitely consider signing up. If you need some help learning TTS, 
I'm planning to actually do a like a community tutorial. So I'm going to set up a day where I just basically I can have 10 people in a game at once. Just bring everybody in the game. We can all jump into a Discord voice and I'll just go over tips and tricks and shortcuts and how to make your TTS experience better, give you the basics and then we'll just kind of play a game and go through the channels and you'll I think if you gave TTS a chance, if you haven't already, you would end up liking it. It's really simple, and it's a really, really good way of staying in touch with your friends and playing games when you can't get out to the store. Yeah, I haven't uh, gotten a chance to play yet, but I've definitely uh, played around with, like, the controls and built a bunch of lists, and definitely seems really fun. Uh, Nothing really will kind of replace, you know, meeting in person and getting, you know, that – you know, in-person uh, experience, but uh, with everything going on right now, unfortunately, not a lot of people can get that or, uh, you know, are will uh, ready to, like, go out yet, uh, and that's understandable. Uh, so TTS is a nice way to kind of, you know, get some games in where you're, you know, in a time where you're not really able to get much or even uh, play against people that you would never get a chance to play against in person that, you know, live across, you know, the world you know we have people from uh you know over the pond we have uh people from australia and uh you know people from like singapore and other places that are all playing on tts so it's definitely an awesome place to go to get you know get a chance to play some of these awesome uh awesome people you know not only awesome at the game but they're just awesome to talk to and uh you know uh get to know so uh, definitely consider that. Uh, TTS isn't that much. Uh, I believe um, TTS itself is like $25, $30. Uh, and then um, the Ice and Fire game itself on TTS is free. Uh, and you can find like all the updated stuff that's been done. And you, know, you can find uh, any units that you need. So that's another thing that, the, that it's great at is, let's say... Uh, you just don't know what you want to buy next. Let's say you are, your funds are limited and you know, your every purchase is, you know, something that you really have to think about uh, before you do, you can, TTS will give the ability to try out all the different factions, all the different units and kind of see how they play before you have to go make, you know, a decision to, you know, what to buy next. So definitely keep all that in mind. Um, yeah. Uh, Next week, definitely uh, try to make for the our anniversary show. Uh, that topic essentially will just kind of be you know talking about the hosts. Uh, you know, you know, our uh, kind of do like a a, a re uh, a recap of kind of like how everyone got into the game and what everyone's been up to. Not only that, uh, you know, we're going to be taking on as many guests as we can and have you guys talk. Uh, maybe about like your favorite uh, shows or topics that we've gone through over the year. And then um, one uh, person will win a starter box of their choice that calls in. And then, you know, we have a bunch of smaller prizes that I'll be giving out as well. So even if you don't win the starter box, I'll definitely have uh, some other stuff, maybe a unit box here or there or some uh, uh, awesome uh, card sleeves uh, from Blitz Mini. Uh, gaming. So definitely, definitely, uh, if you can keep uh, next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time free. Uh, it will be roughly an hour and a half show 
it might go a little longer. Uh, I can't promise every host that's on will stay on the whole time uh, just because uh, I know some of them uh, are uh, busy that day a little later on. So, but I will be on the whole time. So if we need to extend it for like the full two hours, uh, we can, but uh, uh, so just to kind of give you a gauge of when you kind of have to make it, because I know for some people, especially uh, on the West coast, uh, you know, 8 p.m. is like 6 p.m., and if you're getting off at 5, it might be kind of tight. So don't worry. You don't have to be on, like, right at the start of the show to be able to call in, um, you know, at any point during the show, probably somewhere more so in the middle. So let's say 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. But that's just an estimate is when I'll, uh, you know, somewhere around the middle is when I'll probably uh, do for the, the starter box. So, you know, it might be a little sooner. It might be a little after. Uh, but I promise it won't be right at the beginning and it's not going to be right at the end. Uh, so that way you don't have to kind of, if you're kind of strapped for time, you don't have to sit for the full two hours to try to get the starter box. So, but that is the important thing though. Uh, unlike our other uh, giveaways uh, where it's kind of been like on our Facebook page, this one will be for our only. So uh, definitely, <clears throat> excuse me, definitely uh, try to find a little time to do that. And I understand uh, some of our viewers that are, you know, not from the U.S., you know, our 8 p.m. isn't uh, the best for some of you. Uh, you know, it's like 1, 2 in the morning some places, and I apologize. Uh, I wish there was a way we could kind of accommodate everyone um, all the time. Uh, but in this instance, uh, this uh, giveaway will be uh, for live callers. Uh, I kind of want to promote the live uh, caller aspect of our show a little bit more, um, you know, to for those that, uh, you know, have been listening in. So, all right. So with that said, uh, definitely check out, like uh, Brett was saying, a Song of Ice Fire Stats dot com. It's an amazing site. Uh, they are a part of a Song of Ice, Ice and Fire Guild, uh, as well as. Um, a bunch of other content creators. You can find just about anything and everything you can think of. Uh, on Song of Ice and Fire Guild, there is Mythico Studios, Tabletop Warden, Blitz Minis, uh, Us, and West Coast Bannerman, Northern Realms Gaming, A Song of Ice and Fire Stats, and Sunday Slaughter. And uh, we're always, you know, looking to, you know, expand our content and just bring anything and everything we can to you all in one place. A very awesome and well-done website with uh, tons of tools and even uh, some retailers. If you don't have, uh, you know, a local store that you buy from, I would definitely trust those retailers over just some, you know, random retailer on uh, online. Especially, you know, uh, some of the retailers that you can find online, even though they might be a bit cheaper. Sometimes just uh, spending the extra maybe five bucks uh, uh, on your order, you know, to make sure it goes to a great uh, person is more than worth it um so definitely uh keep all that in mind um yeah with that said that kind of wraps up the show thank you uh brett and chris for coming on for this show to talk about this uh these new uh units um with that said we will see you guys next week for the anniversary show and uh this is small council radio it is dismissed <laughs>